This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Battleground Nutrition Centers. Battleground Nutrition is a family and veteran-owned and operated supplement superstore in the Northeast that's been running since 2013 and since then has helped athletes all over the world in APO, FPO, and within the United States PO boxes to ensure that whether you are in the Northeast or anywhere in the world, we can help you with your nutritional needs. Visit www.bgnutritioncenter.com and use code NATTY to save at checkout. And a reminder... All orders over $100, always ship free. Well, guys, we're two for two here. Uh, Last week, we had Brayon Ansley, who is the classic physique phenom that helped launch the division into a global sensation within the IFBB. And now we have the only woman in my life who makes me feel smaller than my mom did when I was a little kid. Ladies and gentlemen, world record holder, uh, I believe it's eight-time IPF world champion and um, a good you're, friend you're of mine. Short by four. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only powerlifting phenom, Jen Thompson. Jen, thanks for joining us, man. I super appreciate it. Well, of course, I'm happy to be on well, a chance to hang out. I mean, it's our second time hanging out. I hung out at your mm-hmm. house uh, earlier last year for filming for Iron Man Magazine. Uh, yeah. you know, we, we got a chance for you to f- my bench all up. And I'll have you know <laughs> that in the off season, since the Olympia has been done, every uh-huh. bench day, I use the football trick under the lower oh. back. And then I go, okay, remember, flare the elbows out. Okay, we're going to bench in our shoulders, not in our chest. Every time, every all the <laughs> tips you told me, I'm like, okay, this is what we're doing today. So my bench is still less than yours, but uh, well, but we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. It can get there. Yeah, it just <laughs> takes time. <laughs> so, um, without further ado, obviously you're uh, fresh off. I, I I messed this up in the video for Iron Man magazine, but now I believe that you hold 72 world records in powerlifting. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Something yep. like that. Hey, listen, yeah. once you lose track, it's always a good thing, right? <laughs> so, My husband can tell you. He keeps track of all that stuff on like a Google spreadsheet. Donovan was awesome, by the way, man. <laughs> What's funny enough is I tell this story every time someone asks me about filming that. Is I go, They go, so how was it when you showed up? I was like, well, her husband was there, and I thought that he was like, you know, really like looking over us, like he was – unsure of why we were there and you know and then he turned out to be the best person to lift with in terms of the 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 people around where he just wanted to see us all get great content and help Mm -hmm. us with our bench and I was like man Donovan's awesome man I I should come back and film with him too um but hey so he's got this like resting face that's like off-putting I feel like sometimes I'm like it's just your resting bitch face if if he was my friend's dad and I showed up I'd be like this dude does not want me to stay for dinner man I should just leave and then you start talking to him and it's like oh okay <laughs> yeah and not only that what a wealth of knowledge man i mean so oh my gosh we'll yes. start there actually because you you started powerlifting in 1999 right that's yeah. and i mm-hmm. i read that you thought that it was a something you wanted to do when you were on your honeymoon and you walked by a bench press competition and were like i don't know i think i could do that and yeah. then after that, you talk to some of the athletes and we're like, I don't know, I feel like this would be super fun to do. And here we are so many years later where it's basically a, a second profession for you. You know, yeah. what really in that beginning portion made you be like, damn, I, I this is like something I really want to do after having no knowledge of it before that. Yeah. Well, I think mostly like it's um, the community of people that you meet. Like it's just very inviting um, all the meets people are like cheering for you. Everyone's exchanging like what they're doing in training. 
Um, it's just, and then even though, like, even when you're competing against somebody, like, you know, of course you both want to win, um, but no one's nasty, you know, and I just, um, that totally appeals to me. It kept me in it for a long time, not to mention that, you know, obviously I was doing well. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I think actually I've never asked you this question. How many contests have you entered that you didn't win? Didn't win. Oh my gosh. I don't know. In the beginning it was. Um, like a um, like at the national level, I think I lost my first two bench nationals, but then I never lost one after that. Two, two, um, two shows, guys. There was two yeah, contests and, that Jen entered that she I was lost like, oh, a couple man. times, especially um, like in the beginning. It was all bench shirts, you know, it was all equipment. Yeah, and that was hard. So um, I think I took third the first year, second the second year, and then first, then second, then first. And then that was pretty much it first. <laughs> well, what's so interesting about that too is when you told me that story when I was down in North Carolina at your house was you basically fell into raw lifting because you didn't like the way that women were competing at the time, which was equipped. And then they told you, well, you can do raw and without any training of taking off the bench shirt and relearning the cues without the help of the bench shirt, you were like, oh yeah, that I'd rather do that. Let's just do that. Yeah. Well, and I didn't like the equipment so much. I re- honestly, like, I wasn't great in it because I just didn't try. Like, I'd throw it out a few times towards the end of a training cycle. I'm like, let's go. Like, most of my stuff was raw training anyways because I just liked it better. And then the bench shirt, I mean, I don't know how many in the audience actually even know what that stuff is anymore. But at the time, that's all there was. And it was, uh, it hurt to wear it. It was hard to use it. It still is, you know. Um so I found that like I was falling out of love with the sport because of all the technicalities and the equipment and just the um, stress it put on your body. It was hard, you know, when you're overloading that much weight all the time. And so it was at the point where I'm just like, I'm over this. <laughs> and luckily it kind of raw kind of really rose at that time. And then it reinvigorated me. Yeah, I mean, you know, the whole West Side Barbell in terms of them really trying to take over the world with equipped lifting and stuff. And I've seen in my gym, my lifting partner, Brian, to the point where, you know, we like raw lifting. We like watching raw lifting, we like doing raw lifting. And then it was to the point where there were some equipped lifters in there. And Brian made the mistake of going, yeah, you know, like I know it's impressive, but it's just not the same as raw lifting. And I feel like if you knew the cues correctly, like it's a little bit easier to go super heavy. This dude got so mad and was like going <laughs> to fight him. And, and Brian's like, Dude, it's okay that I don't like the type of lifting that yeah. you like, like, but they're really territorial about it where they feel like yeah. as much yeah. weight as you can put on a bar and use is the way to do it. And it's, it's a special group of people you know, and they're still equipped powerlifting around, but I mean, and honestly, it, it's very technical. I mean, you can't, you have to yeah. know what you're doing and you need to do exercises that are going to enhance. I mean, it is. Um, it isn't easy by any means. I mean, it is helping you lift way more weight than you can without it. But, you know, you have to know how to do it and it's, it hurts, you know, yeah. like, um, you have to be, I remember when we would get back into it and I'd be like, oh my God, this sucks so bad. But then you'd have to, you kind of just get used to the pain and it's not so bad after a while. Yeah. But, um, it just, it, it does like, once you do it for many, many years, it takes its uh, toll on your, your joints and everything else. And so I was just, it's not that I have a problem with equipped lifting. I think it's fine that people do it. Um, I just, I was, it was, uh, it became a negative for me. I, I was stopped enjoying what we were doing. Right. And so that was time to just go, go full on raw. And well, so thankfully they started having raw competitions. They didn't even have raw, like it was only equipped. And if you wanted to go raw, it's fine, but you were lifting against everyone else equipped. So 
Jeez, I didn't you know, know it worked like that, man. So, you know, what's interesting yeah. about that too, when we talk about um, raw versus equipped lifting, when you started uh, lifting raw, um, did you have any inclination in terms of pound for pound leverage, how much of a strength outlier you truly were, having just fell into it by walking by and watching people do it? Like, I know you were talking to athletes and stuff, but you told me a story once where you were at you know, uh, training backstage, just warming up. And there were people who were like, this isn't fair. Her warm up is supposed to be my, my record, like my all time PR. Yeah. Was there ever a time that you were like, Oh, sh like I'm kind of in a class of my own here. Like, uh, this is kind of no. going to be easy. Well, I knew with like the lifting, I knew everyone else was getting way more out of their equipment than I was. Um, I have several theories why, but most of it's probably cause I just didn't want to practice in it. But um, I knew they were getting way more pounds out of it than I was in, I was competing at their level. So, but I had no idea when I went raw that, um, like I was, that I was that good because in the equipment, I was just okay. Like I won the bench press, but in powerlifting, I wasn't, I mean, I could, I mean, I would be in the top three at nationals, but not. And then once we went to, um, raw, like I dominated for. <laughs> and that that was surprising to me. Like I had no why, idea. Why did you say dominated is the past tense? Do you not know that you're still dominated? I don't <laughs> understand. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'm still doing well. But I mean, like I was. I mean, now I have. I am competing with people. Back then, I was. I was crushing them, and they weren't any even close. Which you know, I think um, I've been around it so long. Um, I think it's neat to see that women are getting into it so much younger and that we have such a huge population that it's way more competitive um, now than it was, you know, years ago. Um, you know, it was still, I mean, not to downplay what I did, but um, it's just, it's a, it, it's neat to see the growth and how strong women are now. Like, cause we have women that started probably in high school in their teenage years and now, are in their twenties and doing it. And they're like, unbelievable, you know? So I'm still hanging in there. I didn't mean to say it like that. You know, I'm still, still competing. The bench of course is my, my main thing, but I mean, the powerlifting, I have to work pretty hard to be in the top three now. <laughs> I mean, that 487 deadlift from that last contest looked pretty clean. I'm just saying, um, but well, what's it, yeah. what I always found interesting too, though, and I meant to ask you this when I was down there last, you're a math teacher. Yeah. Yes. You're one of the most, famous of all time female power lifters and I would argue one of the most famous power lifters within the IPF and uh the USAPL right you're still a teacher yes. even though nowadays it's that thing where you know I did one bodybuilding show so now I'm a bodybuilding coach or mm -hmm. you know I did one strongman contest so now I can teach strongman or powerlifting or all these other sports that they want to make it their full job like that where now it's my full-time job I just coach you could just coach and just be world famous for being the, one of the greatest power lifters of all time. Why do you still teach? Um, I just, I don't like it that much. I love teaching <laughs> and I like power lifting, but I like it enough. I like, I like the time that I do it. Um, I, I wouldn't like it if I did it as a full-time job. I don't, I wouldn't want to spend that much time doing it. I would fall out of love with it, I think pretty quickly. I want everyone, like, I really <laughs> hope when we, when we chop up the ads for this, that that's one of the intros is that <laughs> there's this new culture of just, 
if I'm good at something, that means I have to do it. Like that's my job. Or Mm -hmm. even worse, if I like and have a passion for something that strongly, that should be my track in life because that's that's where my passion lies. But here you have one of the the all-time greats basically saying, if I followed that path, I wouldn't do this because I wouldn't like it anymore. No. That's huge. I mean, when I when I go to the gym, like I'm amped to get my workout in and then I want to be out. Like I don't want to sit around and chat in the gym. I don't I don't want to hang out in the gym. I like I that that moment is great and then let's get out of here. <laughs> Which is it's funny out. because uh uh for those of you who are watching on YouTube, uh since I know Jen's house now, uh Jen is currently sitting around chatting in her gym right now. And yeah. <laughs> so she well, did not get in and get out. Right now. <laughs> my my son took over my office. Donovan's upstairs. The do- this is the quietest spot. So. <laughs> Listen, I love hanging out in my gym, even when I'm just sitting there with a the coffee. It's worth it, right? I don't usually. If I'm not working out, I'm usually not in here. <laughs> I just I have a lot of things that I'm interested and excited about. And um, you know, I did when we went to you know when we were in lockdown and everything was shut down. I did a little. Um, my husband's like, why don't you try some online coaching just to see, you know, if that's something that you like. And I did it for like a year. Um, I didn't, I didn't like it. <laughs> and you know, dude, I respect the hell out of you for saying no that. No offense yeah. to anyone I coached. Cause I enjoyed like talking to him. I love the companionship of it, but um, I, I like doing this. I'll do seminars a few times a year. So I love working with people hands-on and meeting new people and talking to people. But um but that's it. <laughs> well, what's like, I, I can really like, I almost resonate with that because I, I coach people for bodybuilding and for powerlifting, yeah. you know, a lot. And it really comes down to where I know how I'm going to react to something. Not, not in terms of growth, not in terms of where my maxes should be, not in terms of what my aesthetic should be. Like the stressors of training, the stressors of life. I know if I need a rest day, I'm not going to talk myself out of it. I know that when it comes to, you know, the diet portion, I know when to do X, Y, Z. When you insert yourself into someone else's, Mm -hmm. right, and they react in a different way, even if you understand it. It, it, it almost is like when you want your computer or your car to do something and it doesn't do it, you're like, this is what you're supposed to do. I just want yeah. you to do the thing. Just do the thing. It is hard, <laughs> especially like when you're um, used to working at a certain level, like you put a certain amount of um, effort into something and then you realize like most people don't do that. <laughs> you know, like I had one girl um, I coached and she was great. And um, I coached her to one competition and she put like, a hundred pounds on her total working with me. And I'm like, that's amazing. And she goes, I really thought I would have made bigger gains. That's the worst, right? That's the worst. (laughs) (laughs) The worst. Seriously? (laughs) Like how how much more did you, did you want to go over like a thousand pounds on each lift? I don't understand. Um, So that, that was like, I mean, that wasn't the, you know, the only thing, but I just remember thinking like, yeah, this isn't for me. <laughs> you know, and I know that every bodybuilder and bodybuilding coach that's listening to it has played this game too, where it's like, hey, uh, I- I'm into bodybuilding. I've never done a show before. I just read the magazines and I just saw the Arnold Classic for the first time. I want to go pro my first show. And I'm like, dude, you don't even know if you like it yet. Like, just yeah. get up and actually get Do you know any of the poses? Nope, never looked at them a bit. No. All right. Yeah. It looks easy to them, I guess. They look at them, they go, oh, I can do that. But they don't realize 
the time and effort it takes to get to there. Yeah, I'll, I'll even spin it in a positive too, where it's like, listen, if you believe in yourself that much that you're like, I know I have greatness in me. I can just see it. But mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, but it's like the movie The Invincibles where most of the people who tried out for the Philadelphia Eagles, by the way, go Giants. By the the, the people <laughs> who tried out for the Philadelphia Eagles were like, I'm going to make the Eagles. No, you're not. No, no, you're yeah. not. The, even just to go is is an honor, right? I, oh, I hear sure. you 100% on that. Yeah. <laughs> So sometimes it's just a, you may, I guess maybe just make it look easier. It's just some people just need a little bit of a dose of reality. And maybe hopefully that, you know, encourages them to say, okay, I got to step up my game. I got to do more or whatever it is. I think it's great to have a big belief in yourself, but it, there, there's work that has to happen. <laughs> and I would actually like to ask you about that too, because at being sports specific, like there's a big joke in bodybuilding where that's how it goes. You do your first show and you just start taking clients. And now I can teach people to do bodybuilding. Um, do you notice that in powerlifting too, where people oh, are yes. like, just got off the platform, can't wait to teach some yeah. fools? We have so many online coaches and then people are, it, 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 um, yeah. <laughs> yes. Listen, ch- cheap plug for the last two episodes I did about online coaching frauds. Mm-hmm. Go check it out. I'm just saying. <laughs> Well, I mean, not everyone that's a great athlete is a good coach either. You know, you see that in professional sports, but you want someone that's um, been around, you know, and and knows the sport well. I mean, we were at uh, Collegiate Nationals um, last year. I helped coach Midland University. And um, one of the other college coaches was up there and he's like, "Um, what do those colorful numbers mean under the white and red dots? Like he didn't know like what the you know what the cards were to tell you the infraction i'm like how are you a college level coach and you don't understand this the scoring system <laughs> like he's like i'm actually just a librarian they they yeah, ran out of people I mean, so they I asked just, me to come help you know so in that respect i think um you know i mean anyone really can go online and take a course and be a certified trainer you know i mean i know it's not super easy but like um no you can say it. it's super easy <laughs> it's super easy <laughs> It doesn't necessarily mean you know what you're doing. You know, it's like we went to the YNCA one time. We were working on vacation, and it was a. Uh, I was squatting, and this guy, the the trainer there, came up and told me um, that I was going to hurt my knee. Stop! And I need to stop. Stop! Like that's that. a lie. That didn't. Did, uh, please tell me this didn't no, happen. Totally, totally did. And I'm like, okay, you know. And so we just kept going and. He kept coming over and being like, listen, I'm going to have to ask you to leave if you, oh my God. you keep squatting like that. And Donovan turned to him and he goes, if you can squat more than my wife, you can tell us to stop squatting like this or Absolutely. get away. You know? um, and, you know, that's a certified trainer that's employed by IMCA. You know? And I'm like, what is wrong with this guy? Um, so, I mean, but, I mean. Yeah. I mean, I'm I just gonna, think I'm you really to need to do forever. I'm going to tell if that you're going to pay somebody forever. money, you know, yeah. if you're going to pay somebody money to coach, you need to do your due diligence and probably find out who they're coaching and um, what have they done and what their pro and what their background is and how long they've done. I mean, it's like anything you wouldn't hire somebody for a job without checking out, you know, their background or their qualifications. I mean, the same thing should go, I think, coaching. Actually, I would love to know if you ever went to 
a national or world level event and there were people backstage going, hey, I've always wanted to talk to you. I could really put some more pounds on your deadlift. Or I was wondering, could I teach <laughs> oh, yeah. you real quick about a bar path on your bench I think would really help you out? Like, did they actually approach you being like, I'm going to reinvent the wheel here. Watch this. Yeah, Definitely when I first started, I, I got a lot of unsolicited advice. <laughs> um, and I, I find it funny because, you know, I flare my elbows out pretty wide and that works for some people not for others you know it's just kind of body mechanics and stuff but it is funny like they used to think you needed to really tuck like if you wanted to be a big bencher but if you look at around now like as the years have gone on a lot of people have a more flared you know approach to bench which just tells you you know it's definitely not a one-size-fits-all sport and you got to figure out what way works your body the best this episode of the podcast is also brought to you by nirvana water sciences Muscle integrity is the foundation of our body's overall health because it supports movement, posture, breathing, and many other things. Enter Nirvana Water Science's HMB-infused water. HMB, or hydroxymethylbutyrate, is a unique derivative of leucine, the isolated amino acid. It helps with things like protein synthesis, nutrient absorption, and can help athletes and regular people alike with general health as well as recovery from hard workouts. So click the link in the description below to find out where you can get Nirvana Water Science's HMB-infused water products today. Well, so uh, obviously this is the United States of America, and one of the uh, main things that's happened between USAPL and uh, the IPF in recent years has obviously been um, the USAPL, as far as I'm concerned, in terms of them wanting to test people more often um, to ensure that everybody follows the standards of the WADA compliancy. Um, basically, uh, I-, I would love to hear your um, <laughs> feedback in terms of, if for those of you who don't know, the IPF is basically the governing body of powerlifting where from every different country they want it to be in the Olympics and for the Olympic committee to recognize its drug testing standards it has to be a specific amount it has to go through certain labs and the USAPL was essentially like listen that that will increase our drug testing costs by like 200% and we'll go bankrupt in the first year we're yeah. doing our due diligence and our records should count because we can show you the drug test and the IPF essentially was like listen it's our way or the highway and then they went to um, sport court that ru- runs basically an arbitration between them and there's basically been a feud ever since where they no longer uh, interact with one another now that was right. around the time that you were breaking world records and and really uh, competing at the Arnold when they tried to basically not count the world records from even the Arnold Classic. So I would love to hear your sort of mentality in terms of whether you, obviously you side with the USAPL, but (laughs) um, whether or not you felt that they were being unfair to the USAPL or that there's maybe some middle ground that we don't know that they're sort of coming to terms with now in the future, anything like that. Well, they're definitely being unfair. And there was a lot of, um, I think, things working behind the scenes, a lot of um, shadiness um, going on as Powerlifting America popped up all of a sudden. Um, they clearly just wanted a different, they didn't, I, I just honestly feel like the IPF just didn't want to work with USA Powerlifting anymore. Um, and they had uh, had been working with some other people to try to kick us out and bring in somebody else. And so this was just kind of their way of, way of doing it. Um, you know, to tell someone they drug test too much is just, you know, asinine. <laughs> I mean, they do have this quest to be an Olympic sport. Honestly, I don't think it'll ever happen. And I don't know that being an Olympic sport is the best thing for powerlifting anyways. Um, but, um, you know, to be water, there was no reason for them to kick us out because we offered to be water compliant. 
all sorts of sports do their own drug testing and then have a team that comes to the Olympics, you know, NBA, hockey, all those people drug test on their own and then still are fine with WADA. And they could have said we were fine. They just decided not to. <laughs> you know, that was really what it came down to. Yeah. And so. I thought what was really interesting too, is that now you have basically, don't get me wrong. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm fully respectful of all the athletes around the world, but you know, in terms of volume of the sport being famous oh. for a specific amount of time, the USA has an insane athlete community that would mm-hmm. love to participate in some of these events that you basically cut them off at the, at the heels and basically said, Hey, listen, that's it. Like you're, you're, you're no longer compliant with us. You can't compete here. And just like you said, you know, you had another organization that was coming up in the wings that they thought was going to take over. I'll be honest with you. I've never even been to a powerlifting America event. So whatever that well, is, is, there's not you know, many. <laughs> yeah. That's the issue. We'll so I, it I grows, but, um, you know, they lost, uh, you know, the one thing with the IPF is, you know, America brought a lot of money to their events because we brought full teams always and high, you know, number Talk one. Talk about biting the hand that feeds, so, right? Yeah. For sure. So um, I'm not sure that what their what their thought process was with that. But um, I don't know. I feel bad because I feel like, you know, when I the years I was in it is, was sort of like the golden years of powerlifting where, you know, when we went to IPF events, WADA would show up and take people off the stage. And I, you know, I took second one year and um, the girl that took first tested positive. So that won't be up to first, you know. Um, as they were actively trying to to catch people that were were using, and I think this quest to be in the Olympics and be water compliant and not look like we have so many negative drug tests kind of um, tainted tainted the way the sport was going. So, so, so the way I hear that is essentially just like any other athlete. You know, we want it to be a level playing field, and how you guys as athletes saw it was that they just wanted less failure, so that the sport looked like it was cleaner. Yeah, yeah. Pretty but much. the thing is, like, dude, if you <laughs> wanted clean sport, the tests are the ones that yeah, that. That's why I love podcasts like this. My, yeah. I made my podcast for for topics just like this, right? Yeah. When you say things are right, wrong, or indifferent. Right. There's these gray areas where it's like there if you look at it from the perspective of, let's say, how it was portrayed in headlines, it would basically read USAPL doesn't want to be WADA compliant. But as athletes, you guys all knew, well, no, we want to be WADA compliant. You guys are not testing up the standards that we are because you don't want as many failures. But that ensures that girls like that you just competed against you would have gone untested and she would have won and that would have been the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, and, and we offered to do like water testing at all our national events. It's not like we said we wouldn't do that. I mean, it it just, it's, it's really too bad, but you know, it brought on for USA powerlifting. It gave us um, a lot of liberation to do what we want. It costs a lot of money to be in the IPF. It costs us, I think $200,000 a year in fees just to be part of the IPF that freed up some funds and allowed us to start the pro meet. And, um, although I do miss, like, I mean, I'm a little bit sad that I'll probably never add another world championship to, to my, um, you know, group of accolades or that, you know, a lot of other people won't be able to, if they lift in USA powerlifting and maybe one day we'll get there with our international part. But, um, now we've got this pro series where it's taking it to the sport where I always thought it should go. Yeah. You know, with, um, on a stage with coverage and music and lighting and it and and it's uh it's an event it's a big athletic event 
um, showcasing the athletes and the level of lifting is off the charts, like crazy. Like you just look at these um, guys and girls, you just can't believe they can lift that much weight, you know, and it's exciting, you know, so it's um, taking it to more of a, a professional level, which is neat for me to see, especially since, you know, when I started in 1999, we were lifting in airport ballrooms and there was, you know, not even enough women to fill up a flight, you know, of lifters. And it was boring and, and crappy, honestly. And so now to be in where it's like the professionalism and you, you feel like you're a professional athlete to me, that's pretty spectacular. <laughs> yeah. And I, I really hope that anybody that's listening to this in terms of, cause we, we talked about this in other sports too, where it gets to a point where everybody feels that they, they understand like the first time they compete in a regional qualifier, the first time they do a national qualifier for whatever their sport of choice is, they have this expectation that it's going to look like, you know, walking into Madison Square Garden and the lights are all black. And and realistically, I don't think I've played or been a spectator in a single sport where until you get to the world level that it's like that. And so people will look at it and go, oh, maybe I picked the wrong federation or, you know, maybe I, I, I picked the wrong event. And it's like, no, no, no. This is what it's like to get there. You you have mm-hmm. to wait. You don't just get to walk in and again like you're the guy that walks on in the, in the middle of the halftime show in the NBA finals and you get to dunk, slam dunk and win 100 grand like that's not what it is. You got to pay yeah. your dues and you got to really come up in the sport and let people know who you are, which is I mean I'm I'm sure you've dealt with this before too having coached during COVID where you know people will instantly go okay like I'm getting pretty good my numbers are getting high okay how do I get sponsors and you're like yes you get that a lot dude and, um, who are like you a, you don't get to do that like ours you know <laughs> only the really top of the top you know get sponsorship it's just there's not that much money being brought into sport you know um, like you know professional football or something like that right you know? um, so yeah you do get that a lot and uh, it is I mean, you, it's hard to get sponsorship, but even like our world events, like where the IPF, you know, they look like they're, they're still like in a hotel bar ballroom with some boring guy announcing it and no one's there watching you. (laughs) Like it's, you want people to watch you go to an Arnold, like, you know, you go lift at the Arnold or, um, you know, the Olympia or something. Those were always way more fun than a world event. You know, the world event was cool because it was high competition and you were, you're trying to win for a championship, but if you're looking for lights, glitz, and fun, you know, you go to the expo. <laughs> well, that's a funny thing that I want to ask you too is because uh, we have this bodybuilding too where people will go, you know, like, oh, what's the backdrops like and how many people mm-hmm. show up and, you know, how many tickets do they normally sell? And so what do you really think the difference is, right? Because you just said it's it's a higher level of competition. You know, you, you have a full full flights. So everybody's there to see powerlifting, but there's just some shows that just they get people get really excited for. And then there are some shows where you get there and you're like, am I in the wrong room? Am I, I think I'm in the athlete's pump up room. I don't know that I'm in the right place. What What is it that you feel in your sport of powerlifting is the difference between people showing up and getting super hyped and then. You know, people basically coming in and thinking it's just a, a warm up in a gymnasium somewhere in a, in a middle school. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it just all comes down to money. You know, with the international events, like I looked at putting on a, a world. I put on a couple of nationals years ago and I was looking at we thought we should do a world here in Charlotte. What a great place. Like when you're like the meat director, I think, you know, the I think the fee to lift in the worlds at the time was like 150 euro 
and the meat director got 15 of it. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean. And so you had to really, to run the event, you have to come up with a lot of sponsors, which as we said, is pretty tough for really a small tough. sport like ours. So, um, you know, the only places they really could afford them were like, if, you know, you brought people to these hotels, they would give you the ballroom and you could have it there, you know, and that was a savings. And, um, whereas now, like with USA Policing, even, you know, I'm the state chair for North Carolina. So we put on the North Carolina events or help put them on. And even our state and our regionals are getting to where they're becoming pretty high level events um, because we are getting more money, more revenue entry fees are higher. Um, but uh, it's not, not, I mean, our, our nationals have always been a hundred percent better than any world event, but I just think it's, um, you know, it all comes down to money <laughs> and where you're willing to spend it. Are you going to, you know, spend it, giving it to the upper people of the, of the organization, or are you going to spend it on the athletes and USA powerlifting has always spent it on the athletes. So. Which is, listen, yeah, as far as an athlete, I mean, you can't be mad about that. Um, No. So that's why I always tell people, I mean, the the first podcast we ever did with this series was there's no money in bodybuilding. And it seems that Mm -hmm. of the people I've talked to from different sports, it's the same all around where you're going to vote with your dollar. And if you believe that an organization is not out for your best interest or paying you to put your body at risk and, you know, throw your schedule off and do all these other things. My favorite thing is when companies, uh, let's say like USAPL would invite an athlete where it'd be an invitational and they'd go, mm-hmm. you should come to Worlds. And you go, cool, how do I do that? Well, you register, um, you pay for it. Right. And then you pay for your lodging, your travel, yep. your food, mm-hmm. and also your drug test. And I'm like, you didn't invite me to anything. You just asked yeah. me for my money. And again, right. I'm not saying USAPL does that. I'm just using them as an well, example here. But most places. And, and, you know, usually like for USA policing, um, especially when we do the IPF, you know, you would have coaches, team coaches. And they would barely give them enough money to coach to, you know, cover the flight and their stay. They're probably paying out their own pockets to even do a little coaching for you. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> and you know, you're all doing it for the love of the sport and the ability to go compete at that level. But it is, um, it's changed definitely over time. Like when I first went way back when, they would pay for our at least pay our entry fee, and we would get some team sweats, but. Now, now it's nothing. <laughs> I don't know. I, I really do feel like, though, that in the – and I was going to ask you in terms of what you feel like is coming down the pipe for USA Powerlifting that really has you excited. Like, is there anything that's sort of transforming where you're like, no, I think this is moving in the right direction, actually, in terms of how the athletes are going and how the sport is moving? Like, is there anything that you see in terms of the evolution of the sport in USAPA Powerlifting that has you psyched for the future? Yeah, and USA Powerlifting, um, well, I mean, they're focusing a lot on this pro event, and they're focusing a lot on um, our international um, stand. So we have, I want to say it's 37 countries signed on now to hold USA Powerlifting events. They held uh, one in Australia this year and um, in Korea and Vietnam. Um, Ironically, like the Asian countries, we're really interested in holding events, um, which is pretty cool. Um, so I think that part is going to expand and get better. We have some plans for, I know, like England, we've got a meet, I think, coming up next year in England and um, a couple other big events internationally, because that really is one of the things that a lot of lifters loved was to be able to travel internationally, meet new people and, and, and 
lift against other people in the world. So that's going to be a slow growth, I think, but they're making steps towards doing it. Um, but as far as like just the um, local stuff, I mean, the professional stuff, the stuff they're doing, um, they're spending a lot of money on promoting the athletes, which I think is cool. Yeah. So, so with like our pro series, we've got, we, they sent out an email saying how they're going to really start featuring um, us leading up to events with a lot of media, a lot of interviews, photos, all that sort of stuff. So um, I do, I always thought like powerlifting could definitely get to another level where it's, I hate to say mainstream, but maybe closer to yeah. mainstream because it's pretty tough to get mainstream. Yeah. But, um, really, really, and I, I, I feel like we're going in that direction where um, they're taking care of the athletes and they're featuring the athletes and that it's clear that the athletes are what's important. And they, and they ask for feedback and um, we are run by like our executive committee who we vote for, you know, and so everyone's got a job. So, um, you know, people aren't always going to love everything that's being done, you know, but um, I think um, putting a spotlight on the athletes and what people are doing is, um, is big and putting on, and we're going to be in the Olympia next year. You saw that. All right. Uh, yeah. And I like so I that. The idea is to get into more of these big events too. And um, in the end, it should be fun. <laughs> yeah. And more money is always good. So much bigger prizes for people lifting. So I mean, that's what it really comes down to, man. I really wish more sport directors would understand like, listen, your athletes are, without the athletes, you don't have an event, right? Yeah. So if you're milking them for every dollar and at no mm -hmm. point in time do you ever result in it going back into them and paying for a ticket somewhere or, you know, like mm -hmm. you said, giving them uniforms for free or, you know, uh, hooking them up with local TV channels or whatever, then really it's just a money grab and I can right. go buy an $8 trophy down the street, right? I don't need you to yeah give that to me but what right. I was what we're all looking for as athletes is um, a, a federation and a sport that not only respects us as professional athletes but that is willing to put their hand in their pocket and go we're basically built on your backs mm -hmm. as as strong and muscular as they are and uh, reinvest it into having those guys because realistically the guys and girls who are competing on stages and platforms nowadays are going to be the ones who are voted into those committee spots at a later time sure. you keep them in the sport for longer I'm going to say it right now. It is currently uh, January 17th, 2023. Within the next five years, Jen Thompson will be on the USAPL <laughs> committee. I guarantee it. <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> oh, well, unless she turns it down and decides that she wants to live in a cabin yeah. in the middle of you nowhere, know, which is fine. Um, especially during COVID and this whole IPF thing. I mean, this, um, people worked very hard in their volunteer jobs, you know, like, um, it's a, there's, there's a lot of people in the background putting a lot of time and effort into, into this stuff. And, um, you know, so I, I definitely appreciate, I appreciate that. And, you know, we'll see. I mean, um, I'm glad that, um, I'm still competitive and that I'm able to still, ex to experience some of this of where it's, where it's going, you know, and I, I don't know, I'm going to hang in there as long as I can. <laughs> well, that was what I was about to ask, man. I, I, I want to know for the for the last question I'm going to ask you is, any plans to retire from the platform and take the singlet off anytime soon? No. I mean, it's, I think as long as I still love it and I'm having fun and I'm competitive, um, you know, there definitely could have been a time where like, you know, I think some people, they look at, you know, okay, I'm you know, I might lose this one. So I think I'm just going to step away now, you know? Yeah. And um, that's not me. I think um, I've always been in it because I love it and it's fun. And I love, um, you know, pushing myself 
to new levels and seeing where I can go. And it, like my goal right now is I'm going to do 50 this year. So um, setting new standards for the 50 year old female athlete and powerlifting. <laughs> um, and, uh, and you can still do this and, you know, have kids and still compete after kids. You know, I think that's another thing that we need to focus on is, you know, a lot of, a lot of women feel like, you know, once they start their families and stuff that, that it's not possible anymore. And that's just not true. So I'd like to see, um, I, I still think there's a lot of work to be done. And as long as I can have fun and keep doing it and stay injury free, I, I don't, free, I don't, um, I don't see a retirement date at all. <laughs> Hey man, listen, the fact that you're basically saying, I want to teach the 50 plus people when you're still beating 20 and 30 year olds. It's like, it's like Tom Brady walking onto like a, right. a, a small farm team and being like, guys, listen, I know you tore your ACL, but you could really do this. I mean, look at me and you look at them and you're like, I'm not like you. I, I'm going to lose. I don't know. I think anyone could be me. I think I just put a lot of time and effort into it. I don't think um, I have any genetical special anything. I just think um i work really hard <laughs> and i have donovan thompson that helps <laughs> yeah right well so that's an interesting thing that you just said so you do believe that even though you're a strength outlier that genetically you don't believe you're any different than anybody else and anyone could come up behind you and just do exactly the same thing i think so like i mean i got long arms i got long egg legs i'm super tall for my weight class i mean i i don't look like a power lifter you know like i don't Unless there's some hidden something in my genes somewhere I'm unaware of. Um, I don't think so. I think it's just, and, it, and it's, right now it's longevity. I mean, the thing with strength sports is um, if you can put the time in, you know, you, you will get stronger and stronger. Like you just, like it's, it like stays with you. Like I tell all my high school kids, you know, like that are in my weight training class. I'm like, you guys are like on natural steroids right now. And if you if you lift hard right now, your size, your muscularity, your strength will stay with you for life. <laughs> like, Accurate don't statement. Blow this, don't blow this opportunity. And for women, it's not quite the same. But I do think, you know, um, every year you put in is just like you're banking that strength you can fall back on. I don't think it goes away. I mean, obviously, when you take time off, you got to work your way back and all that sort of stuff. But I think each year compounds into your your strength well for those of you who are 16 year old <laughs> girls listening to this you heard jen thompson put 325 on the bar tomorrow and you bench it and it, it'll be 450 by the time you're yeah, her age you so no know. problem like, at all i honestly think you know um you know when i hit 300 raw you know no one thought that would ever get beaten you know records are always you know made to be broken and as time goes on you know if you look back 20 years what was like amazing compared to now it's nothing you know so, i mean people are repping it out yeah it's... yeah we're getting better at at what we do um over time we're learning and getting stronger and learning new ways and some new science comes out and you know, and then all of a sudden you're like, all right, let's go. Well, it, it is my uh, my honor to say that I don't believe there'll be another Jen Thompson anytime soon, but that's just me. But um, Well, thank you. So do me a favor. Uh, plug all your socials. Where can people, you know, find your guys' app, all that stuff before we take off? Yeah, um, most of my stuff's Jen Thompson 132. When I first started, that was the weight class 132. So everything ended up being 132. So um, Instagram, TikTok. 
I don't Snapchat. I've just never figured out that app very well. <laughs> Twitter, um, Facebook, and then um, my YouTube channel, which is 132 pounds of power. I do a lot of um, tutorial type stuff on there. And then uh, my uh, programming app is Thompson's gym app. It's I have every, like I said, I have everything that I do myself on there. So you you could be me. You can work out just like me. <laughs> That's and then and then you sign the rights of the app over to them, and then they're the new Jen Thompson. They're the well, they have to work as hard as Jen Thompson. Not gonna happen. <laughs> Not gonna happen. <laughs> well, listen, uh, I want to thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to spend some time with us, give some people some insight to the USAPL and what you're doing in terms of. The, the amount of years that you've been doing this and just amassing. My, my favorite part is that you're not just breaking world records. It's that you're breaking your own world records because nobody touches them. Um, <laughs> and uh, I know that anybody that's listening to this that considers themselves a, a fan of powerlifting knows who you are, but I'm hoping that those who don't follow powerlifting that much will definitely be uh, uh, in a new realm of possibility and understanding. Listen, the amount of tenacity that it takes to do what you do is, is pretty crazy. So for everybody listening, go follow Jen. Remember, be sure to like, subscribe, and comment, and you know where you can find us on the Generation Iron Podcast. And be sure to tell us who you want to see next on the United States of America. Stay healthy, guys. We'll see you soon. As always, this episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Nutribio. With no compromise since 1996, some of the best tasting products on the markets, and no proprietary blends ever, they've got a product that can help you. So use code word NATTY at checkout to save, and always make sure that you mention the United States of America.